Blog Talk Radio. Today's show is dedicated to the loving memory of actress, comedian, writer, producer, and television host, Joan Rivers. Any subject that's too serious that you wouldn't take on in humor? I think that's how we get through life. That's how I get... You make people laugh. You laugh, you can deal with us. Done. Welcome back to the talk with Micah and friends, and yes, it is me, Micah. So very glad to have you guys back in the house one more time. Okay, the house of Micah. <laughs> uh, this is episode show number 29, episode show number 29, and we are again are in season two of the talk with Micah and friends, and today's show is titled, You Be the Judge, and I have some fabulous guests That'll be on in just a few minutes, so just hold your horses. We got some things we need to say, get out, promote, and then we'll get them on the line with us, okay? Remember that you can actually subscribe to the show um, various ways. You can subscribe via iTunes on your computer or 
on your iPhone 4, 4S, 5, 5C, 5S, and for the impatient ones who have to have that technology right there in their hands, the iPhone 6 as well as the 6 Plus. You can just simply um, click on the Purple Podcast app on your iPhone device and search for the Talk with Mike and Friends, and there you have it. You can have all of my 28 episodes, including this episode, um, for your listening pleasure blogtalkradio.com forward slash to talk with Mike and friends. You can go there as well and follow me, of course, and listen to all of my shows there. And last but certainly not least, www.hipcast.com. That's www.hipcast.com. And there you have the um, fortunate ability to listen there as well, okay? And all of those are free of charge. If you have any show ideas, um, any guests that you would, of course, like me to interview or talk to, most definitely hit me up, thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com. And don't forget, if you have an upcoming event within the next 30, 60, or even 90 days and would like your event advertised during the free and clear segment, again, hit me up, the Talk with Mike and Friends, so I can, of course, give you the clear and concise instructions on how to get your audio on one of the upcoming shows of the Talk with Mike and Friends. All right? So... Since I've said all of that, it is now time for our free and clear segment and hear a few from our sponsors. So just hold tight and we'll be back with You Be the Judge. What's up, guys? This is Paris Smith from the Raw and Uncut series, and you're listening to the Talk with Micah and Friends, and this is the Free and Clear segment. For all of your graphic needs, choose Ferris Optimal Photos. We specialize in flyers, promos, logos, airbrushing, and retouching. All graphic services are just $50 in special deals and discounts for multiple purchases. Accepted methods of payment are Western Union, MoneyGram, or Walmart store-to-store transfer. For more information, you can contact Ferris Optimal at 504-307-3273 or Facebook.com slash Optimal. A generous portion of the proceeds will go to Team Justin, benefiting kidney failure awareness. You can also purchase a Team Justin shirt for the low price of just $20. Again, that's Ferris Optimal Photos for all of your graphic needs. Hey, everybody, it's your time to be seen, to be heard, and to be known by the universe. The 2014 MBU program book is now accepting ads. Ad prices are $30 for a fourth page, $55 for a half page, $100 for a full page, or you can get a two-full-page spread for $150. For more information, you can contact me on Facebook, Neandre Bonet. The ad deadline is October 17th, so get your ads in and be seen, heard, and known by the universe. Good evening, everyone out there in Westland. I'm your personal grand empress, Yesha Bubbles Alexander, calling from the lovely city of New Orleans, Louisiana. Join me January 24th and 25th as I relinquish my title as well as the beautiful Candace Brooks, the Closet Ball Queen. For contest details, you can contact myself as well as the Oblique West or Candace Brooks. Guys, you want to come out, support, support, support. It's going to be a very good pageant. And for all the contestants, I have one bit of advice. 
Make sure your tuck is right and your bra is tight because it's going to be a contest that night. See you then. Hello, everyone. This is the reigning Mr. Black Universe, Cameron Black, and that's reigning for a few more weeks at least. You are listening to the Free and Clear segment here on The Talk with Micah. Let me tell you who to blame. Blame the boy lying at your feet, his body oozing life through the hole in his stomach where the bullet tore him apart. Blame him for challenging you, for not looking away and for not backing down when you pulled out the gun. Blame your mother for bringing you into this world when she was but a kid herself and for dragging you up, not bringing you up. Blame society for not giving you hope. Blame your father for not being there, the man who looked after himself instead of looking after you. Blame the gun in your hand for making you a target, for making you more likely to be picked on. Blame the dead boy, blame your mother, blame society, blame your father, blame the gun, blame anyone but yourself for not being strong enough to put down the gun, to break the cycle. Welcome back to the Talk with Micah and Friends. And if you have just joined us, you have joined in at the best time, more than likely the time that you all have been waiting on, right? Well, when I started this show, I didn't know how much time I wanted to focus on the pageantry community. I made it a point to start a series titled Pageantry Chat. And in this series, I wanted to have an open and honest conversation and, might I add, a healthy dialogue with those of the community to get a better understanding of certain things that plague the industry, have conversation with those who aspire to be long-lasting entertainers, and to help or help cultivate or bring forth this industry back to the basics. I thought that it was time, finally, to sit down with the people who assist in choosing your next king or queen of different respected regional and national titles. I want to thank and welcome my very one of my first guests, who actually sparked the idea of having this particular show. He is the promoter of Tri-State Continental, a preliminary to Mr. Continental, and the head judge of the Mr. Miss Plus and Elite Continental Pageant. Let's welcome Skip. Welcome, Skip. So good to be on with you tonight. Uh, and it's good to hear you again. Uh, the, the next young man has been involved with the Black Universe pageantry system since 1992, so I think that makes 22 years. And he also sits on the final night judging panel for Mr. and Ms. Black Universe. Let's welcome Kirk. Hello, Kirk. Good evening, everyone. Good to have you. Uh, next up is a stylist extraordinaire of Atlanta, Georgia, and the head judge of Mr. Miss Plus Black American Competition, Mr. Ken Buford. Hi, Ken. Hey, Micah. How you doing? I'm wonderful. And last but not least, this young man is the man behind Mr. Duval, um, a pageant held annually in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, that's either uh, produced national title holders or better yet, those who, before retiring from the industry, aspire to be. So let's welcome Mr. Rick Finn. Hey, Michael. How are you? I'm wonderful. Um, now, to my uh, to my listeners who, of course, were um, looking at my Facebook page and saw everyone that was supposed to be on the show tonight, Danny Lord, unfortunately, um, he was scheduled to be a part of tonight's conversation, but unfortunately his grandmother passed on today, and he's on his way to Puerto Rico to be with his family. Uh, Danny, you and your family, are all in my prayers and all in our prayers, actually, um, during this difficult time. But I'm sure by the time that this season ends, Danny will have made his way back to the show. 
But, again, guys, I want to thank you, sincerely thank you, and appreciate you for taking the time out of your day to sit down and chat with me. So let's go ahead and get things started. Are you guys ready? We're ready. We're ready. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, to my listening audience, as I go through the show, if you have any questions for our judges, feel free to press 1, and I will allow you to chime in before we move on to the next topic or question. But please allow the conversation to start before pressing 1, okay? Great. So my first question for everyone, you know, it's very simple. Um, how did you get involved in pageantry? Very simple. How did you get involved in pageantry? And I'm going to, I'm going to pass that to Rick first, but we're going to go Rick, Ken, Skip, and Kurt. So Rick, Ken, Skip, and Kurt. So Rick, you can go first. Great, great start. <laughs> well, honestly, um, believe it or not, before I had any um, any um, inkling as to who I would eventually be, I've I've been a fan of pageantry since I was six years old. Oh wow! Okay. I remember as a kid sitting down waiting for Miss America every year with my paper and pencil in mm-hmm. front of me, <laughs> literally judging the pageant. So um, it, it's funny as you get older and you go back and think about how things started. That's mm-hmm. honestly got the truth, how it actually started. As far as judging a real pageant, like Kirk, it's 1992, so it's been 22 years. There was a local pageant in Jacksonville, and I was asked, you know, um, hey, why don't you um, sit down and judge the pageant? You, I, we see that you watch and you come to the contest all the time. Have you ever thought about judging? And it, it started from there. Okay, okay. So we we started alike, Rick, because I, I was judging the girls when I was in middle and high school. So so we started alike. Uh, what about you, Ken? Um, for me, uh, many many years ago, <laughs> I started out. Um, I was first into the introduced to the industry as a dancer, and I would dance for different entertainers um, and pageants. And then I later advanced to becoming a choreographer. And so I choreographed uh, different talents for people for national competitions. So I was, like, really going around um, the country, you know, dancing and choreographing and stuff like that. And I must admit, I have been a contestant as well. Um, okay. a couple of closet balls and pageants here and there. So that's how I got my introduction um, to the industry. Okay. And and how how long have you been – Involved in the industry, how many years would you say? Because you said many, many years, oh, but how many years? Isn't it, I was trying not to put a number on it, but since you're forcing me to put a number, I'm going to say over 20 years. I'm just over 20 years. Say over 20 years. Yeah, and, and I'm thankful for everything that the industry has given me. I owe it all to the industry. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Ken. And Skip, you are up next. Well, uh, again, thanks again for doing this tonight. I think it's a great opportunity for people to listen in to us. I'm so glad to be with these gentlemen. Um, it started for me. I, 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 I'm a figure skating coach by trade, and uh, there were preliminaries for the um, Real Girl Miss America pageant going on in our area, and they, and they always put a, a coach on the, uh, of some sport on the panel for good or bad that turned out well for them and sometimes not so well. So I've okay. done that and in the local community, um, which was Youngstown, Ohio, they had a city pageant, which was the, a big deal every year in the gay community here. And the organizer one year was a, a local a local entertainer named Kiki DiCarlo, who had been who had really been around. And uh, she contacted, you know, I'd like you to do this. 
And I said, well, you know, I thought, sure, I'll be glad to. I just have to have all the information. So I did it the first night, and after that it just took off, and a lot of the local contests would ask me to come in and, and judge the pack. And uh, then a friend of mine, um, Dennis Wurtz, who you probably all know as Denise Russell, mm-hmm. starting in the business, and uh, and I was very interested in helping her career. And, and so we worked together, worked together, and we took her to Miss Continental Plus. And previous to that, I had been a promoter for the USA pageantry system in Ohio. We were the second largest uh, system in the United States behind Texas for a while. But we, we had a Continental Plus, and I met Jim Flint there. Okay. And of course, you've met, you've met Jim. I know a lot of you have. You know, he's a very engaging guy. And he talked with me and talked with me, and I said, <clears> you know, sometimes I'd like to take this to a bigger level. And, I, you know, I, I don't know how you qualify your judges. So it ended up to being exactly what you did, Micah. You know, it, it was a resume involved, and we talked and talked, and that was 24 years ago. Mm. I've been on the national panel since then. Wow, great, great. Uh, and last but certainly not least, Kirk. Well, when I was um, 17 years old, I used to sneak to the Marquette, and I happened to befriend a female impersonator by the name of Candy Johnson. She was very popular in Atlanta, and she was the show director of the festival. So I started hanging around her, and at that time, I would be at their house when uh, different impersonators were getting ready for the pageant. Me being a young gay guy, I would just be sitting there and telling them, oh, well, that goes with that, or that doesn't go with that. So when Candy started having pageants, uh, festival newcomer, because I was always at the house critiquing and being honest, she asked me to be a judge at festival newcomer. From okay. then, uh, I started judging all of her competitions. After I moved out on my own, I had the pleasure of racing Scott living with me. Also, the first black Miss Black America, Tara Livingston, lived with me. At that time, I watched uh, Tara Livingston's show for so many entertainers coming in and out of our apartment, along with Racine living with me and seeing her show and putting together talent. So as as we as they were living with me, I would help them with their pageants. And then the word just got out that I'm very honest and direct. And so from there on, then they start asking me to uh, judge competitions. And then um, uh, uh, Chris Higgins and Trey Reese had a pageant and then uh, appointed me as the head judge of Mr. and Ms. Liberty and Mr. and Ms. Liberty Newcomer and the Plus. And then uh, Alexis Bonet, who was also a friend of mine, she took over Black America. And two of the years that she was there, I judged Black America when Tasha Long won and when Cezanne won. So as the years went on, because of my honesty, I just had been well respected in the community, and I've been judging um, and promoting and also sponsoring uh, entertainers for 30 years. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and I thank all of you for your contribution. Love listening to the stories on how everything, how everyone got started. Definitely appreciate that. I'm sure my listeners can appreciate that as well. Um, so we're going to move on um, to the to the next question or topic. And, well, this is more so a question, and I'm going to actually answer it because I'm not going to answer all of you guys' questions because uh, this is all like this is for you guys. But I, but there's some of them I will kind of do like icebergs, kind of like so you'll know what what I'm looking for um, or the format of it. 
But um, I personally believe that everyone should have a plan, a purpose, and a passion for what they do or contribute to in this industry. Okay? So question, what was your plan? What do you feel is your purpose? And why the passion? Because I'm sure everyone has a, a passion for this at this point, being over 20 years in, in the business. So, again, the question is, well, I, I'll, I'll say it again. I personally believe that everyone should have a plan, a purpose, and a passion for what they do and contribute to in this industry. What was your plan? What do you feel is your purpose? And why the passion? So, personally, for me, my plan initially was to walk across the continental universe or U.S. of A. stage and win a crown. But I changed my plan because I came from a background of musical theater where for 15 years I was in front. And after understanding pageantry and the entertainment industry, I wanted to find my niche and work in the background and on the business side of it all. So I believe my purpose is to simply teach the business side of the industry to the up-and-coming entertainers and always be a listening ear to anyone that solicits my assistance. Now, as far as my passion, I just love this art. You know, I, I love the creativity that it, that it exudes. You know, seeing people have so much talent that is sometimes beyond belief is amazing to me. And to see many people or see people really passionate about what they put on stage, it drives me in so many different ways. I see this as an art. And for the people that are like me, our passion is what keeps us going. So now my question, and I'll give it to Skip first, um, you know, tell, tell me, what was your plan initially? What do you feel is your purpose and why the passion? Well, I think my plan coming into this really was, it, it's funny, we've all come from a dance background. You know, I was a dancer for a long time. I did a lot of theater. Um, I was in the company of Starlight Express for a while because of the skating and the dancing and everything tied in together. And I think my plan was to, to come into this and uh, surround myself with an atmosphere of creative people and uh, to be able to give myself as much information so that, that um, you know, I was qualified to judge because I, I learned at the very beginning what I always wanted to remind myself, and I do this to this day, is that, you know, this is not about me. Mm-hmm. not about me, you know, and this is bigger than me. Right. The best thing I can do is be, a, a, you know, an intelligent supporter and, and be able to make a decision because I think to be a judge, you have to be able to make those decisions. And believe me, they're not popular, you know. Mm, right. <laughs> we, we can all tell horror stories. I know some of the guys on the panel, I know what you went through. And, you know, it's, it's rarely the contestants. It's usually their followers, and that's where the, the trouble oh. ensues, you know. I, I think my purpose in this is is to kind of be an educator. You know, that, as, as a coach, you're always an educator, you know, and it's, and I and I was a school teacher for a while, you know. Okay. And, I, and I think my purpose is to help educate and 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 you know I'm I'm very big on contestants seeing where this came from, you know. It, it didn't start with Britney Spears, and I and and I think that's a really important with with Beyonce, you know. It, mm-hmm. it, we have a we have a long legacy of great great entertainers who really fought the big fight to get where it is. You know, and, and I like to remind people of that, and I do an interview off the question I ask. You know, um, and as far as my passion for this, my passion has has actually grown. You know, I came into this wanting to know more 
and to just be a, a, an honest person giving an honest opinion, knowing that not everybody is going to agree with me. And, and I know that. Mm-hmm. But my passion has really become the friendships that I've made through this. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. rarely do you get a chance to make lifelong friendships. And, you know, I think if you're a gay person, you know, a lot of the friendships you have young, you lose for one reason or another. Right. You know, but, but my passion has really, really, really grown. I've made friendships in this that, that will last forever. And to, and to watch watch them develop as contestants or spectators or promoters or, or whatever they do. You know, and judges, you know, I, I, I love training new judges. I, I think that's a, a really important thing. So that's a very good question. Uh, did I answer all three parts? Yes, you did. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much, Jim. Oh, thank you so much. And Ken, you're next. Oh, okay. So for me, initially starting out in the industry, my plan was like you, Michael. My plan was to be an entertainer. I, I got introduced to the shows and the pageantry systems, and I said, oh, I can do this. This is a piece of cake. This is mm-hmm. nice. I can do this. But as time progressed, I was not willing to make the sacrifice uh, that other people were making to be yeah. an entertainer. I wasn't willing to make, you know, body augmentations. I wasn't willing to do, you know, certain things to become that successful entertainer. So I said, mm-hmm. this is not for me. So I redirected my thoughts, and I saw how I could turn this into a business. And from the industry, I gained my my purpose was to uh, educate, to show people what I've learned uh, just from being around this industry. So um, my plan throughout the years have changed, and I wanted to get more knowledge about what's going on, the ins and outs, what goes on behind stage, on stage. How can you put a package completely together and get a contestant to a national pageant? So okay. I, I learned that, and I began to uh, implement that with different contestants. And so now I know that my purpose as an individual is to share all the knowledge that I've gained over the years and teach them. Because for me, I had to uh, cross a lot of hurdles. It wasn't very easy because we were just uh, getting the pageant industry introduced across the country. We had to, you know, knock down some barriers and some doors to make people appreciate the art form. It wasn't very easy for us to get people to gravitate toward this industry. But once we did, and that's why it's so uh, passionate for me, is because I love the art form. I accredit everything that I am today um, to the industry because the industry embraced me as a gay male. The industry embraced my talent, and they recognize and say, hey, we see you as a person in our community that has talent. And we want you to showcase your talent, you know, with us. So the industry, I'm very passionate about it. I'll do whatever I can to help anyone. And I just think that it's my obligation to others, the knowledge that I've received from the industry over the years. Okay. Thank you so much, Ken. Mr. Uh, Rick (laughs) Finn. Well, my role is a little different, you know, from – Okay. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm more like um, Kurt. I've never, well, I had never been on a stage before, so I honestly didn't have a plan in the beginning. I just knew that I was passionate about pageantry, not just okay. gay pageantry, pageantry in general. I love okay. the love pageants. 
And um, as I as I realized that I was a gay man, in the beginning I was trying to hide. You know, you go to the pageants or you go to the club and you stand in the back and just, you know, you you, you watch, but you don't really want to be seen. Right. After a couple of years. And um, being that um, in my community in Jacksonville, Florida, most of the, um, the guys here, weren't, and uh, i got to say this right, I was uh, the person that had a steady job. I've been a mailman for 31 years. So I don't think that they, they looked at me as a pageant person so, more, so much more, <clears throat> I'm sorry, they looked at me more as the, as the steady guy, the guy that was always working. He loved the pageants and stuff. So um, we'll, we'll give him a test because he's always there. He's in the background, but he's always there. So I never mm-hmm. had a plan but I've always been passionate about it. And um, as time went on, I I started getting gay kids. Um, Bosch was my first gay kid. And, they were okay. Alexis. and they were so big and, well, they were trying to become big in the art. And that's how my, my real passion grew because I would watch them take their last dime and try to to elevate themselves to that next level to make people take them seriously. So mm-hmm. um, that that made me even more passionate about it. It started from the love of my kids and trying to get them to go to that next level. And the purpose ended up, honestly, for me, it was to show them that even though you were uh, a drag queen, because back then that's what they were, they weren't female impersonators. Right. So my goal to them, because they kind of looked up to me as a, a gay man who was able to succeed in my chosen profession. My thing with them was to try and teach them that even though some people may look down at you because you do drag for a living, there's a way to do it and be respected. And um, so my purpose eventually became showing them how to get to that next level and still be respected because a lot of them weren't being respected. They They were completely being disrespected you know, oh, you're just a drag queen and no one wants to be bothered with you and you're silly and stuff like that. So for me, it it, it evolved from them just being my kids and wanting better for them to mm-hmm. them having kids and grandkids and stuff like that and wanting to show them that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do in life, what your job is, because I look at, at, at their art as a job. Be the right. best you can be at it, and, and you know, hold your head up proudly and move forward. I hope I answered that. <laughs> you, you did, you did, and I, and I want to ask you um, before I go to Kurt, Rick, really quickly, because you, especially in Duval, you know, every, you know, I guess some people say Daddy Duval and, and things of that nature. So, you know, uh, you, you're you're well known, you know, definitely a, a, a lot in the in the southeast, but definitely in Duval. And I remember you just saying that. You know, back in the day, your kids coming up and, and things of that nature, you kind of give them that, that advice. So my question to you now is, uh, being that your kids are all grown up, you know, and, and things of that nature, and you have, like, the little babies now, you know, how receptive your advice as well as criticism? Oh, uh, <laughs> it's funny because I brought Basha up in the beginning. Basha was uh, the one that really sparked the, the main interest for me. Mm-hmm. Basha used to kill me because she would tell me constantly, you know, everybody else cheats in passion. I don't understand why you don't cheat. Every time you, you, you judge us, you judge us the hardest. 
And I, mm-hmm. I would always tell them, because if you have nothing else, you have your integrity. I would rather you win because you were the best as yes. opposed to someone gave you something. Right. So to, to answer the respect thing, sometimes my kids and I don't always see eye to eye, but um, I think in their heart of hearts they know that I genuinely love them from the bottom of my heart, my kids, my grandkids. Honestly, anyone who I feel is serious about the art, mm-hmm. because that's what it is. It's an art. Right. Anyone that I feel is serious about it, I'm going to respect them, and I, I, I genuinely think that they respect me, even though they may disagree with my opinions at times, and that's fine because we live in America. But um, I think that for the most part, they know that, you know, I'm when, whenever you see me sitting at a panel, it does not matter who you are, what the relationship is. If I could have had a fight with you the night before, but when mm-hmm. you come in front of me on a panel, you're just like anybody else. And I think that's what the industry should always maintain more than anything else: honesty and your your integrity. Most definitely, I, I love I love what you that you brought that up, Rick, because I've you know I, I tell people my integrity is is it's worth more than anything you know uh, you know cheating and that's just I don't do that on my regular job. So why do you think I'm going to sit there on a panel and do it? You know, I've judged, I've judged my kids before. I've judged my own mother, Raquel Lord, in the past before. You know, so I, I you know, the integrity is, is so, it's so much more to me, and it's worth so much more than you know, giving you the skate, you know, giving you that pass, and then you win it, and then you go ahead. And in all honesty, that's how you gain your respect. Yes. You realize, you know, I don't care what you say or do. He's not going to cheat for you. You right. can't offer him anything because, one, he's self-sufficient. He takes care of himself. So mm-hmm. whenever you see that he's on the panel or you hear that he's on the panel, bring your A-game. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, Rich. Now, Kirk, um, now we're going back to you. What What was your plan? What do you feel is your purpose? And why the passion? Okay. Well, when I started off, um, my plan was – to uh, wanted to be respected amongst my peers. And at that time, a lot of my peers or the people I hung with were entertainers, and we used to love to go to Illusions, a club uh, that was on Peachtree Street. And at that time, I was just trying to learn the art form because I wanted to be a male or female uh, impersonator. But as I would play around at the house with my friends' clothes or pops or whatever, I realized that uh, everybody couldn't be the captain and that I was suited better as being a team player. So I decided not to put on the dress and the heels. Uh, my purpose <laughs> my purpose was to uh, teach those who are not as financially uh, able or who are not as pretty as others that they could still reach their goal rather uh they didn't have silicone or implants or whatever the thing that they were having. Um, uh, some people thought that they weren't as compatible, uh, competitive because of certain things. And my purpose was to teach you can do anything that you want to do, you know, if you put your mind forth. So that became my purpose. My passion is to see people reach their goal and to be fair and also helping my friends helping my friends along the way to reach their goal and their passion. So that's it. 
Thank you so much, Kirk. Thank, thank you, fellas, um, for for responding to that particular question. And you know that 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 question could really be um, geared toward competitors as well, or or people that are trying to become entertainers and and, and competitors in, in contests. Because you you have to have a plan. You have to start out with a plan, especially now jumping into this industry. You know, you really can't just jump in. You really have to have a plan, you know, kind of mark things out of where you want to go, where you, where, what do you want your career to go, and who do you want to become, what's going to be your legacy. You have to have a purpose. Um, you have to have – there has to be a reason as to why you want to do this and, and what do you want to get out of it. And then at the same time, you have to have a passion for it. You know, I see the ladies and the gentlemen who win these pageants and sometimes win it on their first go-round is because they truly have a, a dire need and a passion for what they do and what they're trying to obtain. You know, so, you know, ladies and gentlemen out there that do pageants, you know, think about that. Think about having a plan, setting a plan first. Even if you're in the industry and been in there – three, four, five, ten years, you still have to have a plan when you're trying to reach any and every goal, you know, and you want to have, there needs to be a purpose behind it, and then there also needs to have passion behind it. So thank you. I want to gear this toward um, uh, Ken and Skip, and then from after this, then we'll take a quick break. But Ken and Skip, I want to, I want to ask you this question. Do you believe there is a science or a method to judging? And if so, please explain your responses. So do you believe that there is a science or a method to judging? Well, I guess I'll go first. This is Ken. I'm going to say that I do. I think the first thing you must have, like Rick said, is integrity. And then you must be honest. Um, And for me, every time I see a contestant on stage, because I've been in that position before, I think, how I would like to be treated, and I like to be treated fairly. So if it's a friend, if it's uh, someone that I, I've just met, I put in my mind, what would Jesus do? And I write down my score, and I pass the paper. Uh, <laughs> I just think that's just, uh, <laughs> and that, that's just how I do it. Because like Rick said, if you see me on the panel, bring your A game. I'm going to go according to whatever the description and the category calls for, and I'm going to administer the points accordingly. Uh, for me, when you come on stage, you come out with a perfect score, and then from that point, I start deducting points. So, for instance, if it's evening down before they announce your name, uh, you have a perfect score. Mm-hmm. Then as you as the category proceeds, then I start to get some points. That's my method. All right, thank you. Um, and what about you, Skip? Well, I I, I guess there's a, a a touch of both of those in there, and I hate when people don't answer the question directly, but I'll, I'm going to do that anyhow. <laughs> um, a, I mean, there's a there's a little science in it for me because I I want to make sure that that you know I always think of the auditor also. And I I found that sometimes, and and it happens not just with new judges, but sometimes someone will come into a pageant that's just very hard for them to make um, a a decision, so they end up giving all perfect scores or all Mm. Okay. That happens, and and that's really a disservice to everybody because when you take this job on, you you, you know, you you really want to make sure that 
that you're able to make that decision. And, and you know, all all the gentlemen that I'm here with tonight, luckily, luckily enough to be with tonight, you don't have a long time in this business, and they know that. They understand that. Right. Uh, my method is that I really, I really, really try to judge category by category. Because, you know, a common mistake you'll see is sometimes a judge will latch onto a contestant who has an excellent interview. And oh yeah, that's where their high scores their high scores go that way the entire evening or days. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know my method is to really examine every category and, and go in every time, even if someone's had a really disastrous category. You know, when they go into the next one, you, you hope that they're going to do better, and if they do do better, you have to reward that because mm-hmm. you know at the end of the night you can't say, well, you know, I, I I couldn't give this person the talent score they deserve because they were so bad in interviews. You know, that's why there are, are multiple judges and multiple scores for different categories. So, you know, that that that's kind of what I go in, and that's that's what I follow. Okay, thank you so much, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, Skip, because I'm going to direct that to the uh, to the other men on the panel, um, Kirk and Rick, as far as to you know, I, I would call it crossing over into the next category. Um, does it happen more often than not? You think? Um, uh, and this is to um, Rick and Kurt. As far as like, I mean, all of you have judged a pageant, but both of you have judged pageants that have interview in it. Do you think that you know if a contestant wows them in an interview, or have you, or have you been in the position where a person has um, wowed you in an interview, and the judges, you yourself or other judges, have just were so struck by you know how well this person articulates themselves, intelligent, and, and all that kind of stuff you know, how well they, you know, came off an interview that the score just kind of carries over to the rest of the evening or, or later that day or the next day or whatever. Do you think that happens a lot or has or have you encountered that? You, Kirk? I mean. Yeah, Kirk or, 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 or. I'll go first. Um, of course it happens. It's, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'd be crazy to sit here and say, say that it doesn't. However, I feel like if you're the head judge of a particular pageant, mm-hmm. you know, it's your job. To make sure, you know, and I just judged a contest recently, and um, basically, I put the fear of, of of God in them. I basically told them, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this pageant's going to be fair. I don't care about you know relationships or if one person, to to use your comment, has wowed you in this first category. It's not about one category. If that mm-hmm. if that if it were that way, we'd just have a talent show. We're looking for the most consistent person. I judge often when a person can have a great interview, but their clothes are horrible or their talent is late. And uh-huh. so at the end of the night, you, you know, they may win interview, but the rest of the the competition, they've gotten low scores. So uh, it happens, but um, if you're the head judge or, once again, going back to integrity and honesty, you know, mm-hmm. you can put that, put down your score. Stand behind, you know. Okay, thank you so much. And Kurt, did you want to add anything to that before we go to break, really quickly? Uh, yes. First of all, I would like to tell the rest. I'm not a fan of uh, interviews. Okay. Uh, for that simple, for that simple reason, when I started, um, an interview was very popular among uh, pageants, and we would go to the pageants. I'm not saying the pageant wasn't fair, but you go to the pageant. And the person who won that night on stage, according to me, as a spectator, 
would not win the pageant, and they would always say uh, that person won interviews. And so uh, I think I think it happened more in when I first started than it does. And no, I don't think it's fair. I think you should be judged accordingly for every category. Now, does it happen? I can't prove that it, it, it happens, but that's not how I judge. I judge accordingly to each, you know, to each category. Great. Thank you so much, Kirk. And it looks like everyone, you know, for the most part, is, is, is right on point in regards to how they judge and, you know, just taking it one category at a time. And, and that's why you, um, you guys are on the line. So if you could just hold for me for just a few seconds, we're actually going to um, have our Grand Gorgeous and Gag segment um, where we have a, um, a stylist or a makeup artist come on the line and they'll give us some quick fashion tidbits. And then from there, we'll come back over to, um, back to the show. So give me one second, guys. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Grand, Gorgeous, and Gag. My name is Joelle Canales, and I am the national makeup artist for Laura Mercier Cosmetics. Ladies, if you've been on the same skincare and makeup routine, it's time to shake things up. Fall calls for a new look and especially a new foundation. Skin changes with the climate, so picking out and applying the perfect foundation is crucial. Here is a tip. Always apply foundation primer. Then, press the foundation into the skin using a sponge. This will leave your foundation looking like skin. So leave that foundation brush behind. After all, we're painting faces, not houses. Remember, we want people to compliment your skin and not your foundation. For more beauty tips, catch us on the next segment of Grand Gorgeous. Words Never Spoken is more than a book. It's a movement. It's for the man that's trapped in a closet. The man that's teaching himself how to lie, how to sneak, how to cheat, how to get over, and how to pass. It's for the little boy that wants to tell his mommy and daddy that he likes boys. It's for the man that will marry a girl knowing he's gay. It's for the man that will almost end his life because he's afraid the truth just may come out. It's my attempt to heal the frustrations that come with being gay, black and gay in particular. It offers permission to just be without apology. What's up, people? This is Craig Stewart. I am the author of Words Never Spoken, a memoir. It's available on Amazon.com, or you can download it to any e-reader. You can even visit my website at www.craigthewriterstewart.com. Hey there, everyone. This is your Miss Continental 2014-2015 Brooklyn Heights, all the way from Toronto, Canada, and you are listening to The Talk with Micah and Friends. Well, thank you so very much, Ms. Continental. Um, now, guys, are we are we still here? We yes. are here. Okay, everybody got their glass of water or, or whatever you're drinking on. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I have nerves the better. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. So, um, so that was our Grand Gorgeous and Gag segment as well as Craig Stewart, who has a, a wonderful novel, which I will post to the top of my friends' Facebook page as well as my Facebook page, and the lovely Brooklyn Height, who just won this Continental 2015 Labor Day weekend. So let's let's move on higher into the program, as they say in church. Um, over the years of listening to countless question and answer categories, I always hear the question about should you be judged for what you do on and off the stage? And most of the answers are a little conflicting for me. So I ask you all, as a judge, do you solely judge on what is on stage and give no account to who they are off stage. I'll say that again since I stumbled a little bit. As a judge, do you solely judge on what is on stage and give no account 
to who they are off stage. And I'll give that to whoever wants to chime in first. I'll go first. Um, I judge by what's, um, what I see on stage. Um, what they do off you do want someone uh, who's approachable. You do want someone who uh, has a good reputation. But that's for the promoter because if you mm-hmm. think that that person is not the girl that you want or you hear this or that about her, then you should not take her entry fee. That's up to the person who owns the pageant. Now, mm-hmm. as a judge, that's not my job to, to because once she pay her entry fee, I have to treat her the same way because I might know something about this contestant because she lives in Atlanta, but someone who lives in uh, Hawaii, I don't know her. She could be a mass murderer. I don't know that. So you can't really, you know, say some people you know about, some people you don't. So as a judge, I have to judge what's being uh, what's being presented to me. Now, their reputation or you don't want them because they're this or they're that, that's up to the promoter not to take their entry if they don't want that queen. That's not my job. Okay. I totally agree with you, Kurt. You know, at the end of the day, as a judge, you're 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 seated there to judge the individual category. It's really not your business who um, where the person's reputation is. You, mm-hmm. the way I do it, I judge the question that is asked and your confidence and the and the answer that you give. You know, I, I like Skip said earlier. I really, I'd rather a person just hit the question. Give them give the mic back and step on. I don't like it when they go all the way around the world and they're trying to find the answer. It's like right. if the guy, if the question is what color is the sky, the sky is blue. Thank you very much. Answer the question and keep it moving. Now I'm gonna stop you there, Rick. <laughs> let, me, let me stop you. Okay, so Rick, hold on before whoever's gonna reply. Um, so you're saying in question and answer. You rather than just be direct and upfront. If the sky, you know, what color is the sky? The sky is blue and off the stage. Is that what you said? That if that is the question that is asked. Mm-hmm. Now if they say explain, then mm-hmm. you take it to the next level. But if the question is only asked, what color is the sky? I, I mean, it's just an example. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You take the microphone and say the 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 color of the sky is blue, and that's right. It. You know, and that's what I'm going to touch. You know? Right. Okay. So, so what do you? My job. job To interpret. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. Yeah, my job isn't to try and and figure out. And and I judge many many guys and girls Mm -hmm. who have quote unquote bad reputation, Mm -hmm. and you feel sorry for some of these kids because, once again, keeping it real, all judges aren't at the same level, and all all judges aren't going to judge you fairly or correctly. They're going to base it on your reputation, which I think is crap because there are a lot of people who might not necessarily have a great reputation, but they may be great kings and queens. Some some of them may need need this one contest to help them to change their reputation. You know, yeah. everyone, everyone has a past. And, mm-hmm. then, you know, in order to get past it sometimes, you know, if they're a part of something that's positive, even though they may have started out, you know, pretty low, you can help to elevate them. 
So um, I don't believe in judging a person by their reputation. Judge them on the answer that's given to the question. Most definitely. Um, Anyone else want to chime in? Well, I think that reputation is very important. I think uh, to the contestants that are listening, um, please be mindful of your reputation when – signing up to compete for pageants. However, I do agree with Rick and Kurt that my job and my responsibility is to use the score sheet that's in front of me and go according to the category. And that's my job as a judge. But to a contest entering a pageant, make sure what you put out into the universe is positive because that's what you're going to get back. And I do believe that it's the responsibility of the power to do that. And my dog wants to chime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so let me ask, let me ask, I think all of you have um, judge pageants where they have the high and low scoring system. Um, and over the years, you know, some people say, well, I don't understand it. Or, oh, it's supposed to do this. And the reason why they do highs and lows is kind of keep out, you know, get the consistent winner and this, that, and the other. So my question, um, and I'll give it to you you, you all if you would like to answer, but uh, I'll, I'll pinpoint it to Skip first, let him answer. Um, what, have you, well, my first question is, have you ever judged in a pageant where there's a high and low, where they drop the high and drop the low, they have seven judges drop the high drop the low? And secondly, um, what is, um, from your interpretation, what is the reasoning behind having a high and low scoring system within Apache? Is Skip still here? Yep. Skip? Hello? Yes, can you hear me? Oh, okay, yeah, I can hear you. Did you hear my question to you? Okay. Yeah, I did, I did. Okay. Um, mathematic- mathematically, the high and low... Uh, works when you have. I, I think it works best when you have more than five judges. Okay. I mean, I, I think that's where it shines. Um, as you know, in Connell, that's when we have the seven judges. That that's something we automatically do. And right. It's it, you know, a, a smart thing to do always. I think is training new judges, and sometimes you know that's more of a challenge than you expect, and you don't want any one judge to impact anything too much. So you know, I I, I judge contests where it doesn't happen at all. And they go with straight scores. And, and you know, if if you have a judge that's on the high end or the low end too often, that's when the ties occur. Mm-hmm. That's 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 when you know when when things like that happen. Um, you know, I'm not always a fan of it. I'm, I'm not always, uh, but but I think when over the years we've noticed that in doing the scores, with you know, as, as I said, seven judges dropping the high and low really does weed out any issues you might have with, with a singular judge. And, and and by saying that, I don't want anyone to think that I think there's a judge that's dishonest. I just, some you know, sometimes people lose their way on a contest. You know, yeah. In the end, the end has come out, and I think we all have. We go, wow, that's not the way I saw that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but but I think, you know, when, when you really care about the contestants, you know, sometimes you know that, that maybe – what you saw was not what everybody else saw, and that's why there's more than one. You know. Okay. Thank you so much. Did anyone else want to chime in as far as the highs and lows and, and, and why they believe that, you know, it's placed in pageantry? Well, uh, I, at Duval, all of, all of our contests, we have seven judges. I agree with Skip totally. You need to have an average of at least five. 
if you try and do high and low with five judges and you only have three scores, that's not really going to um, come out very well. But for me, I enjoy the high and low process, and I'm not going to be as politically correct as Skip, Skip was because <laughs> um, as an, a pageant owner, you know, our job is to try and select judges that would have the same integrity level and the same honesty level that we have. But, you know, every once in a while, it just doesn't happen. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll find yourself with a judge who is cheating. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep it real. They're, they're going to try and cheat. So when you have the, the, the throwing out the high and the low, it tends to, to give a, a better average of the, the actual scores. So I, okay. I'm definitely a fan of it. Have you have you guys maybe an off question? Have you guys ever? I'm sure this happens more often, you know, than not if people even do it. But have you ever had a time where you add all the scores up, let's say, of everyone, and then you get out, you get a certain winner, and then you add the scores? I guess because some people say, oh, I was in a contest and it was high and low, and if they add all the scores up, I won, but because they dropped high and low, I lost. And I placed first or second runner up. So, have you? I'm sure that has that has happened. Or have you? Have you ever been in that instance where you kind of did that? Like you kind of did that? I'll, I'll direct it to Rick. Have you ever done the math and, and like, okay, well, you know, if this person, of okay, of course, of course, it happens often. You know, when when the scores are so close, you know, yeah. it's it's looking like it's one way. But um, by the time you drop the high and low, it totally changes. But you let the contestants know that going in. Going into the competition. You love to ask the contestants, do you have any questions? And uh, mm-hmm. if they don't ask, if they, you know, they're too timid to raise their hand, we'll bring it up. We'll let them know that this is how the scoring system is going. Because oftentimes, you know, that person, normally the winner isn't concerned with all that. They're not going to go and add all seven scores. It's right. normally the person who are the runners-up are the ones who didn't get anything. Yeah. But um, more often than not, they're the ones that have had friends, that you know, judges who may come to them later and say, oh, well, I didn't understand because I gave you perfect scores all night long, not realizing, oh, did you? Well, that's why your scores were dropped because mm-hmm. the high score and the low score dropped. So you thought you were helping them, and, and the reality is you were hurting. You were hurting them. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's an excellent point. That, I think that was... You made an excellent point there, and and I think at the end of the night, you know, I think judges have to be really tactful about how they present the information and and what they did as their job because, you know, I think that you want to be on judges' panels, and we've all been on panels where contest starts and you look down and you say, well, I'm in trouble here, I can tell already. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and And if you're a judge that people recognize and... That's usually where the blame goes at the end of the night. I mean, that's and I'm speaking so right. for myself. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Me too. Me too. Yeah, so you know, you know how it is, and 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 so at the end of the night, I always say, you know, this is what I thought. Um, this is what I thought you did really well. Maybe you want to work on this. I I try not to go into that. That you know, I gave you this or I gave you that. Right. What I what I really do, and I I I try and have succeeded so far, I never say that to any contestants that I disagree with the outcome. I don't. I, I think that's a bad policy. It is. Because, you know, you're admitting that something went wrong. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, 
like I tell contestants, it's their responsibility to promote, pick promoters, and it's judges' responsibility to pick the panels that have to be on. You know, Most you need, you so need to, because we're all, we're all going to go back to that word integrity, and and that you know that's our big word in Continental, and I think it's it, you know my southern friends here online with me, I think they agree with that. But but at the end of the night, even if I'm not satisfied with how it came out. I just don't. I just don't get into that discussion. I don't, you know, and I and I don't like to talk to contestants about other contestants. I, I think that's a bad policy. You it know, is. Um, you know, I I don't like to say, well, this person beat you because they did this. I just want to talk mm-hmm. about you, what I felt, you know, your performance and your package included, which is again just my opinion. And, and kind of go on with your day. I mean, that anything else just breeds trouble. And if you've been at a really messy night at the end, and everybody has been, you know, you want to avoid that every time because you know you want to be able to go out and start your car and not know it's not going to blow up at the end. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. True. True. And and I and I'll say that like to the um to the contestants, um, you know, I I judge a lot of pageants in the southeast. And uh, I would just say to the contestants, if you have, if you want to know where you, you know, where you failed or if you want to know what that particular judge, like I said, if that particular judge, um, you know, how they scored you or what they felt in regards to your package, you know, ask them. You know, I think what, yeah. I, what I've experienced a lot um, just kind of early on coming into, not so much now at all, but just people like, well, you know, they won't say anything. They won't come to you. You know, my number's at the bottom. You know how to contact me. I'm always in, you know, I'm always in a pageant. And they'll never they'll never come. I'm on Facebook. You'll never hit me up, you know. But then you have, not I won't say bad words to say, but then you have some type of grievance or you have something toward me because I judge you fairly in a competition, you know. And But you're not coming to me and asking me, well, Micah, you know, you judge me. Tell me where you felt, you know, I did wrong or what the case may be. I will say that, you know, now, of course, me judging Continental, you know, it's different in, in other systems. Every score sheet is different, you know, and I'm going to get to score sheets in a second, but every score sheet is different. So you have some that you really don't have to comment and you don't have to say as much or you don't have enough space to say that because of how the competition flows. Then you have those competitions where you have – that remark section, and you can really go, you know, go in and really kind of let people know, you know, let that contestant know the pluses, the minuses, the pros, and the cons, you know. And one thing one of my, you know, friends, she was, she's Western Grand Empress, um, she will always say about me, Yesha, what she will always say about me is that at the end of the day, you cannot say you don't know how Micah felt about your package or your category or whatever the case may be because, I'm a person that can write a book really quickly, and I try not to write a book, but what I always try to do when it comes down to the contestants, I don't know who wants to pick up a piece of paper at the end of the night or the next day or whenever they get their scores and just see all negative comments. You know, I am a judge, of course. Right. I, have to, I have to pinpoint what you've done, not necessarily wrong, but, you know, per, per the score sheet, I have to let you know the, the negative. But... And someone asked me this when I judged Black National last year, and they, this was the this was the um, the tabulator. They said, "Why do you say all these positive remarks?" And I see the negatives or, or, or you know the the marks or the minuses for this that, and the other, but 
I said, because who wants to look at a score sheet and see all negative things, especially at the end of the night, if they didn't win? I'm going to praise you for the things that you do and for the things that – because if you have a nice gown, nice clothes, this and the other, I'm going to praise that. I'm going to speak to that. If your makeup doesn't match, you know, or, or doesn't really complement your overall look, I'm going to speak to that as well. But somebody can easily say, okay, so my makeup is, um, is, is not up to par, but he loved my gown. He scored my gown really well, you know. So that's kind of like, I guess, my method of judging a lot of times, letting you know at the end of the night, you know, this this is what it is. Nine times out of ten, you really don't come back to me because you kind of answered all your questions. But um, I, I, I totally get it, and I, and I totally get the, the highs and lows. And, and I want to move to the score sheet. Do you, do you believe um, that uh, score sheets should be given – to a contestant, I'm saying a bar pageant, regional pageant. Most nationals, they don't really give out the score sheets as much. But do you really, um, or not even that night, actually, but do you believe that score sheets should be given to a contestant at the end of the night, right after crowning? Anyone? Uh, who wants to go? I'll, I'll go first. I'll go, first. go ahead. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think they should be. Uh, okay. And I'll tell you why. I, I think that it's, actually, it's so emotional at the end of the night mm-hmm. that People don't take the time to really look at the sheet. You know, they they have a tendency. I've been in situations before with regional pageants or, or even local things where they'll pass up the sheet right away, and a contestant inevitably goes to their lowest score. Exactly. How could how could this happen? They see. You know, yeah. and then they don't they don't look at what might have been positive. You know, right. I, I'm not. A, I I I agree with with what someone else said and and you know I I always provide my information and and you know, uh, and as you know I, I said to Connell look you can get in touch with any of the people on this band they're easy mm-hmm. to find if not go through the national office I think a lot of those conversations are better after it's been a minute to think about it and also it you can make it more personal like you can really talk about it. I I think it's important that judges care about contestants Let's face it, right. it's their money, it's their time, it's their yeah. reputation. You know, right. you, you need to save time to be able to talk to whoever. I mean, the hardest thing is when you, I think, and I think all the gentlemen agree with me, you know, you just a contest with 30 or 40 people, and, and the person that's 29th comes up and says, what do I need to do to win? Well, we need <laughs> to have a conversation. <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. right. that, that can't happen. That's going to take some time. Right, absolutely. And, and, and these, everybody here, I can tell from everybody talking, and I, I've met a few of you, but not everybody, you know, part of the passionate part of this is you really do want people to get better. You know, you yeah. want to come, look, if you're going to sit night after night or for six hours, you want to see good stuff. So it's, yes. you're investing in your future also because you're going to have a better night yeah. of entertainment, you know? I, Thank you. I don't... I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kirk. Oh, I, okay. I don't believe. Um, and I'm saying years ago, I don't really believe in passing out score sheets. Uh, and it's not so much for not so much for the contestant, but when you pass a contestant, when we used to give out score sheets, they give it to their uh, kids or their grandkids, and they have a tendency. They have a tendency to want to confront the judges. Now, most often, I'm um, the head judge of the of the panel that I'm sitting on, and uh, they ask me to uh, get judges that I think are fair or uh, to pick judges. 
as a head judge, I think it's my responsibility to protect those judges as the head judge. They should not have to be confronted by their opinion. And most often, that's what that's what happens, and it's unfair to the person that just come in there, giving their expertise, and then they have to be in a corner, people trying to jump on them. And, I, and that's, so that's why I don't believe in passing them out. The second reason, when you pass them out, like uh, Skip just said, they go to the lowest score. If they perfect score 90, if I gave them a 98 and Ken gave them a 97, Ken is a stunt judge. They don't read none of the comments. They don't read none of the comments or anything. They're upset. Everybody wants to win. So if you don't win, if you don't win, then they're upset. They go to the lowest score. Another reason when you have so many, when you have so many, uh, you have 20 people in the pageant and you hand out the score sheet. Okay. So the first person that comes up to me, okay, I'll tell them, okay, with well, this, yes. Okay, by the time they get to number 15, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm sleepy. I'm tired. I'm irritated. They're not going to get the same type of attention that the person who came to me first. Right. So it's unfair to it's unfair to the to the contestant who come to you with their sheet number fifteen because you're not gonna give them the same type of uh same type of response because you're tired, you're sleepy, we didn't sit there ten hours or however many hours. And so I don't I don't agree with passing months. Okay. And then if, if you if you're a judge, you should be able to leave your number and they if, if they're interested which I always do, and contacting you, they should call you. And most often, they never do. All right. Someone else wanted to like chime you, in and say something? Uh, yes, go ahead. Yeah, you're talking to me? Yeah, who, who wanted to, someone was trying to chime in. Yeah, Rick, Rick, Rick I'm Okay. Uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to differ because okay. uh, when I started out, it was about my my kids and, you know, them from a contestant standpoint as instead of a judging standpoint. So I kind of feel like, you know, I know both ends. And from a, I'm not going to say a national pageant, because once you've got to that level where you're competing at national pageants, you should be confident enough. You should know what you've done wrong or, or mm-hmm. how to correct your errors. But in, in climbing that ladder to get there, I feel like, you know, yeah, they need a score sheet. Now, if, should they always be given the score sheet that night? You know, that's a matter of opinion. But they need the score sheet in order to figure out what to fix. And the problem, you know, I've never had one of those situations where a contestant has confronted me or what have you. Yeah, me either. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, my thing, one of the pet peeves I have about the industry is before the the contest starts, you're everybody's best friend. They're all trying to, you know, hey, Rick, how you doing? Boom, boom, it's kiss, kiss, trying to, 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 to get extra brownie points. Once mm-hmm. the contest is over and you have not won, you do not hear from them. You know, it's like a month later, you might see them somewhere and, you know, they're just, hey, you know, and it's like, well, do you want to talk about what happened? It's like well, wait, I thought, more I thought they, were, not, they don't want yeah. to talk about it. And that's not the way, in in my opinion, to, to get better. You honestly need to talk to, to the judges. Now, in that moment, as the contest is over and, you know, your feelings are hypersensitive, it might not be the best time. 
But I totally agree. Later on, yeah, let's let's talk about it because I, like Skip said earlier, I want the best for you. I want to see your growth. I want you to attain the goal that you've set forth. But you, you you can't always do it when you're just listening to your girlfriends who are just going to lie to you and tell you what you want to hear as opposed to talking to someone who's going to be unbiased and they're just going to say, hey, to go back to your comment, Micah, I believe in, in the score sheet. Put something positive even though you you, you still got to get them. You still got to yeah. know what they did incorrectly, but you still don't want them to leave feeling like, you know, they're packing. They've been beaten up. Honestly, even if it was horrible, you don't want them to feel that. You want to you want them to have some kind of glimmer of hope. I agree. Thank you so so very yeah, much. I, I, go ahead. I thought Turn. the question. I thought the question was right after the. No, I that is absolutely correct. But you said I thought you. The question was, do you want to give them to them right after the after the patch? I was yeah. talking about right after. Yeah, my my question was my question initially was even, even with that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Even with that, you know, oftentimes you have um, competitors who are from out of town, who and you know that, and this is very sad. And I tell them this all the time. You have an application sheet. Fill out all of your information correctly, so we can get in touch with you, or you can get in touch with us. But what I found more often than not. They they really don't take that sheet seriously, or their addresses are changing, and or their numbers have changed. So you you can't necessarily um, communicate with them. So at Duval, we do tend to give them their scores that that night, and um, oftentimes people are upset. But at the end of the day, it's like you know there can only be one winner. At Westland recently, they had a a, a little seminar, and my topic was learn to lose to win. So many people want to win automatically. They want to win on that first time, but it takes a, 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 I think a better competitor is the one who has learned how to lose. Then they, then they know how to win. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you that guys this question. It's a, it's a, um, a think back moment. Um, it could be as of recently as a couple of weeks ago, or it can be, you know, 10, 20 years ago, but, I want you to um I want all of you to think back. Um some maybe farther than others, but to a moment in time as a judge, okay, that you were left utterly speechless. Speechless. Tell us about that moment, that wow factor. So again, tell us about a moment when you sat there as a judge and that contestant left you utterly speechless. Tell us about that moment, that wow factor. And I'm going to pinpoint Ken first. <laughs> Um, I would have to say um, it's been so many pageants and it's been so many years, but the moment um, that that has left me speechless, um, I think when uh, it was Raquel Lloyd, um, I think she did Black America, and I was on the panel. And um, when she presented her evening gown, mm-hmm. there were it was sheer perfection, you know. And I like to see it. it, it Some judges say I don't give perfect scores. I don't give perfect scores. 
But uh-huh. if a t- contestant, if the gown fits good, if the style is there, if the hair is immaculate, if the makeup is immaculate, what more can I say? What more can I do? I cannot suggest anything to you. Right. It's it's perfect. So she left me speechless at that time. Um, so it was nothing else that I can say. And I think her execution, the way she presented the gown, I thought the garment was beautiful. So it left me speechless. That was a moment in time um, I can recall. Um, okay, from being thank on you the so much. When I was speechless. Okay, thank you so very much, Ken. So you said Raquel Lori evening gown at Black America. Okay, what about you, Skip? Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's just really a tough question. I, <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> it is. It is. But I, no, I, I wanted to go with what I remember. You know, what really stood out in my mind, and uh, it, it was actually at, at at Miss Continental, and I didn't know this person at all, but I I I had heard of her, and it was Barbara Her, and uh, she came out in a pleated evening gown, and the room was absolutely silent for a minute. And I remember thinking to myself, am I the only one that gets this? And then everybody mm-hmm. just burst into applause. I mean, it, mm. it was instantaneous. And, and you know, that gown sticks out in my mind. I, it's funny that we're, we're talking about evening gowns rather than gowns. But right. Right. That's <laughs> interesting. That's just where our mind goes, you know. But that that moment really, really, really stuck stuck with me. It It really did. It does to this day. Okay. All right. So Barbara, her evening gown at Continental, the pleated evening gown. Okay. And Kirk, what about you? Uh, well, I have two. Um, when I first uh, can't remember the pageant, Judge uh, Racine Scott, and she came out and did uh, Lena Horn, and I thought that was the most magnificent talent. She just looked like Lena Horn and a lip thing. And the other moment. Um, was a female Latoya St. James. Uh, I think it was Miss World he ran for. And um an evening gown competition he came out and it looked like a ball gown. And had the ball gown in some kind of way. Uh he stood there and he walked up out the ball gown and the ball and the ball gown stood there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he did and he got and he modeled the dress. But the back of the dress just stood up as he walked out the dress, and I thought that was really amazing. Okay. So Racine and Victoria St. James. Okay, thank you, Kurt. Yeah, and Victoria St. James. Victoria, right. Victoria St. James. Latoya. Oh, Latoya. Okay, gotcha. Latoya. Not Victoria, but Latoya. Okay, and what about you, Rick? Well, mine's not gown. Mine is actually talent, and it, okay. it was um, a judge's sweetheart. Sweetheart okay. International, the year that Tommy Ross won. Okay. And, um, Tommy had a busload of people that had, mm-hmm. had come to the contest. And in all honesty, I had never judged Tommy before that. And her, Ross, was amazing. Yeah, mm. it, it, it gave me everything that I ever wanted to see. Uh, but by the same token, in that same contest, there was a, a, a young upstart. Her name was Cheerleader Fish. God bless mm-hmm. dead now. Yeah. She did an amazing last dance that blew my mind. So both of them had me like, wow. My, I'm the head judge, and it's like it, they both they talk, you know, because both of them totally different talents, but both just as entertaining and perfect, in my opinion. Thank you. 
Well, I'll give you mine. I mean, I've watched, you know, many talents and many pageants, and I've judged, you know, many pageants. Um, But I'll say as a judge, because that was the question, as as me sitting as a judge, I'm going to say this year, prelim night, Continental, with Queen B. Hope. I, you know, to to, to see someone be tossed, turned, dragged, all of that was amazing to me. I mean, the creativity, the movement, the movement, the choreography, everything was pure perfection in my eyes. And for that millisecond, I had to kind of catch myself, you know, but it made me at that moment for Queen B. Hope. And uh, 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 and there was another young lady I, um, that, I, that I'll speak of as well, but um, that just made me fall in love with drag all over again. You know, that's, that's what it's all about, you know, putting your best and your heart on stage. And I'll even say, and I, and I actually told her this, um, you know, maybe like a week after the pageant was over, but it, it was Sasha Sanchez, prelim night, and it was her talent. Um, and only reason why is because, you know, we had never, or I had never seen, you know, Sasha really get into a character. You know, she was always a dancing girl and, you know, all of that good stuff. But I had never seen her evoke emotion and be very raw and, you know, and, act and be in character in a talent. And for her to, to, to do that in her uh, prelim night talent and then for her to convey the emotion and, and it also telling a story in, in her words and then the young man coming out with Sasha Valentino's coat from the year she did Continental in 1999, that was, for me, I, I was speechless. I mean, tears in my eye and everything because it just spoke. So I, I would say Sasha Valentino for the night and definitely Queen Behold, those are the ones that kind of left me speechless um, as a judge. So thank you, um, Ken Skip, Kirk, and Rick. Talk about that really, really quick, Micah. Micah. Okay, go ahead. That, that, you know, I was there that night as well, and yeah. I kind of felt bad for them both because I'm like, how do you get better than this? Yeah. You know what I'm it's like, you know, this is prelim night. Final night is like, wow, you know. Mm-hmm. So the how how can so high? And then, then as competitors, I'm sure they ask themselves, and I've I've having conversations with competitors, then ask themselves, well, how do I top myself? And sometimes, you know, I've told competitors, you know, sometimes it's not topping topping what you did the previous year. It's giving just as much as you did the last year you came. You know, just you you're not going to wear the same gown, you're not going to wear the same ta- you do the same talent or whatever the case may be, but just exuding that on stage and putting just that much more effort, that much dedication into what you're presenting, that's all that you have to do. And you let the chips fall where they're made. And when you present something that, and this is something I preach to to anyone that has a listening ear, when you're comfortable in what you present on stage, it shows. And when you're comfortable in what you present and confident in what you have and what you're presenting to the audience, at the end of the night, no matter where the chips may fall, winner first or not, or, or you, you're not even the place, you're not, you're not, you don't even place in the particular pageant. At the end of the night, I've seen contestants be all right with themselves, all right where they landed, because at the end of the day, they came in the pageant not owing anything. You know, they, they came in the pageant with a fresh mind. They came in the pageant saying, hey, this is what I have. This is the best that I have at this point, and I'm doing everything that I, I sincerely want to do, you know, and not necessarily listen to people in their ear, you know. And so when you've gotten to that point, you know, it is what it is, but you walk away, you know, not feeling defeated. You know, so, you know, just just being comfortable um, in what you present, you know, is something I always preach. 
So I have um, two questions, and we have a few more minutes left. But I have two questions given to me by a reigning national title holder who shall remain nameless per their request. But I have two questions for you guys, and whoever wants to answer, please do. Um, So here it is. The question reads, here's the first one. Some would say that the decline in the level of competition in recent years compared to the past could be for various reasons, including the economy. However, it is also argued that while many want to see the competitions pump up the volume, so to speak, the input versus the output are not balanced. We all know that you can never get in what you put out. But do you think the promoters should up their game also as we progress with time? That's the first question. Do you believe the the promoters should up their game as we progress with time? And do you think a $10,000 package deserves a $1,000 prize? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, yeah, we're we're all on this, but I can I, I can see where this is going. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to jump. I'd love to jump into this. I'd love. Don't have scared. I what I think would be an excellent thing would be if there was a cap on prize. You know, okay. Any system, any system could pick whatever amount they wanted. Let's say you know the, the promoters are, are are allowed to give this much, and you know that's when creativity. And everything really shows itself. Mm-hmm. A lot of problems for me, and this is just for me, you know, as I see it, is a lot of times contestants will come into a contest putting thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into it and a lot of dancers and, and a great gown and this, you know. But, but you know, you always want to stay. In the back of your mind, you're saying, okay, if I take away all these dancers and I take this yeah. gown away, you know, how are you going to present yourself on the road? You know, if you've ever been, if you've ever danced in a company or you've ever been in a theater group or you've mm-hmm. and you tour, you know, the road is messy. You know, yes. being on the road as an entertainer is tough, tough, tough business. And, and, and I think sometimes people invest so much into the package that they have that, that there's no way they're going to be able to follow up with that. And, you know, your first two times out after you win a contest really kind of, it, it, it shows what your reign's going to be like. And I truly believe that. It's a small world now with social media. Everybody talks. You know, it's posted right away after you, you perform the first time. Um, I, I don't think promoters can hope to give giant prize packages to contestants because I I think that there's a reality to this and and you know we could have a RuPaul's Drag Race discussion all night and mm-hmm. we could do that and you know there's a, there's a lot of talk with with local entertainers about why RuPaul girls can come into their area and demand big fees and they've been working in their communities doing the benefits doing everything and they work for their standard amount you know mm-hmm. so. I, I don't think that improves the quality of talent. I don't think it improves um, the entry. I, I really don't think it will. Um, and, and I think it ends up being a thing of who can spend more to win a contest. You know, and, mm-hmm. I, and that's that, that's a sad thing. I, you know, that 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 really takes away takes the art out of the art form, like in my opinion. Most definitely. Yeah, I believe that people think that the more they spend, 
you know, the better the outcome. But as we've seen over the, the many years, that that's not necessarily the, the truth because you, we've seen guys and girls who come with raw talent or come with, you know, just that one solo, that solo talent and win the competition. And then you have a girl that has had 25 dancers or 10 dancers who doesn't win. You know, it, it, it's just the way that, that, it, that it rolls. And it, at the same time, you have to do what's, what's good for you. Whatever you think is going to be the best for you, you know, then, then it, is, it is what it is. But I think that was a good question. Anybody else want to, want to chime in with that as far as, you know? I, I want to chime in on that first part. Go ahead. About the promoters, you know, okay. How did it read? Something about the promoters? They, they, yeah, there. they said, uh, they said um, uh, do, do you think the promoters should up their game as we progress with time? Okay, well, first of all, you know, there's a, the definition of promoter. There's a difference with a promoter and a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Yes. A, prom, yes. a promoter's job, you, say you win my preliminary. I have a mm-hmm. black university this year. Mm-hmm. My job isn't necessarily to throw money at you. My mm-hmm. job is to try and coach you and help you to get to the contest and, 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 and do your best. Your sponsors, those are the people that are going to kick money out to you. I've never been a sponsor. I've always been a promoter. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a, a major difference in, in the titles. I'm glad you brought that promoter, up. You know, you have certain, certain responsibilities as a promoter to the national contest that a sponsor doesn't have. The sponsor can just give all the money to the guy or the girl, and that's fine because that's your choice. But as a promoter, you know, you have to pay entry fee, hotel, you give them money on travel, and then if if you're blessed enough to give them some extra money, that's <laughs> fine. You know, but that for me, when they say promoters up your game, no, I don't, I don't think that, you know, that has changed. Now, Skip, I agree with what you said as far as uh, putting a cap on on money because, you know, when you're when you're you have a, a preliminary to a national title, I think it's it's only fair that every preliminary has the same cap of, in money. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes you'll only get two people at your pre- preliminary because you're doing it the right way. You're doing it per what the national office tells you per the cap. But the problem for for me in particular, is when another preliminary comes in and they triples the money of the cap. Now, of course, as a contestant, they're not going to run over to my prelim because they're like, oh, well, hey, you're only giving $500. I'm going to go over here where they're giving me $1,000. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, it's not necessarily – I think we should all play on the same level playing field as promoters. Sponsors right. are totally different. And you know what, Rick? I'm glad you said that in, in regards to the difference, because I'm glad I, I want people to know that there is a difference. But I believe that at this point, the majority believe that the promoter is the sponsor. You know, and yeah. I think that's I think that's where they're getting it mixed up. No, the promoter is to help help you get to the contest. You know, that's what they're supposed to. And I, and I love different national competitions. I mean, when I was following USA for a while, I used to always read their, you know, rules and regulations and all of that stuff on the site. And I just love that they outlined in black and white. This is what your promoter does for you in the event that you win or you get first runner up. This is what they are required to do up under the national office or this, that's their contract with the national office. Anything else, that's going to just be totally on them. But they are required that's to do this. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Thank you. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to move on higher. I was going to ask the next question, but I'm going to bypass. The next question was, um, I think we kind of already answered that. But um, let's see which questions I want to ask. Okay. What are your honest opinions um, on the resurrection of two amazing systems that actually went defunct for a while? So Miss Florida SFI and Miss National, you know, what are your opinions on the resurrection of those two amazing systems? Anyone? Well, I'm a Florida native, and the first national pageant I attended was Miss Florida. Before I, okay. I, I've gone to Continental, Faison was the first queen that I saw crowned, and she celebrated her 20 years this year. And I, I realized at that point, wow, I've been coming to this contest for 20 years consecutively. But mm-hmm. prior to that, I was going to Miss Florida. It was it was our continent. Right. Um, it was all the grandeur and, and, and all that with everything. I wasn't able to, to go to this contest. I, I got the video. And it looked like it, it's going to, to be very nice. Um, I heard there were a little hiccup, a couple of hiccups. But um, like anything that's been gone for a while, you know, it's, it's like almost getting back on that bicycle again. You know, right. You get a couple of, of bumps in the road. But eventually I'm hoping that it comes back to the, the grandeur that it used to be. Okay. Anyone else? Well, for yeah, I want to chime in. This is Ken. I just want to say for the two systems, I, I thought – that they gave opportunities for entertainers to showcase different things, and they brought amazing things to the community. I think Miss um, Florida was uh, an opportunity for contestants that uh, competed in pageants in Florida to showcase, and they wanted to spotlight the person in their community, and mm-hmm. the girls really bought it. And when you went to Miss National, uh, because of the categories, it was just a different atmosphere. It was just a different feel. And I thought they both added things. So anybody that can come back, and sometimes you have to take a break. But if you can come back and add something to the community and give us another outlet for entertainment and to give contestants another venue to showcase their talent. I welcome that. I, I think that we need to embrace them with open arms, and I think we need to um, support the industry because we as consumers, it takes a lot to put on a contest, you know. Right. It, the, the ins and outs of it. Uh, as a contestant, yes, it's expensive, but as a promoter, it's expensive just as well. But we as the patrons, we got to support the industry if we want the legacy to continue on. Okay, and I think you just answered um, the next question I'm going to ask really quickly. So I'll ask this to I'm, – I'm going to give this to Kirk. Um, Kirk, what do you feel needs to happen in order to savor what's currently left of the art? You know, how do we get back to the basics and truly support and drive this industry in numbers full circle? Um, well, first of all, I think there are too many that. Um, and so um, when there wasn't a whole lot of patterns going on, you had more people wanting to be um, certain things. But there's so many patterns, so it's so, you know, it's so spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, well, you already touched, I think finances is a, a problem. Nobody has the money that we had 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you touched on some contestants think because uh, some contestants 
think that you do have to spend five thousand and ten thousand dollars to win a certain competition. So that kind of uh, makes them don't want to compete. And it doesn't take ten thousand dollars to win uh, to win a pageant. Uh, I think um, in this generation, the creativity has um, is not as um, high as it was when we were coming up. We um, we used to make uh, hats out of fans. We used to make hats out of fans. We used to make stuff out of shoes. We were just so they were just so much creative that you didn't have to you could put your pageant together stuff around your house. But people are not as creative as they once were. So people don't think they're competitive that they don't they they can't be competitive enough. So I I don't know. Okay. I'm going to ask I'm going to ask this to to skip. Um, and I'm asking some skips. As uh, an avid pageant supporter, you know, I, I think some contestants don't take the opportunity to do a little homework prior to competing, and it becomes evident when they present their packages at various pageants. So do you think that it's important for a contestant to know the point system per category and also knowing, knowing exactly what the contest looks for scoring-wise? Well, I, I think you know. I, I said this before, and I and you know I believe it so much. You know, I, I say I think contestants, you know, their first job before they even get ready for a pageant is choosing the pageant that that they feel they're going to to be the most comfortable in, something that suits their personality. Um, I, I think that they don't invest their time in in looking at all categories and saying. You know, this, this is what I need to do for each part of this. Because, you know, mm-hmm. it really is a puzzle. You're putting a puzzle together, you know. People hate when, you know, my my dear friend, Kira Cartier-Fontaine, who we lost last year. Oh, yeah. She used to say, I hate when you say there's a formula, but there really is a formula. Okay. You, know, you have to understand each category that comes to you. Um, and, and I think that, that contestants sometimes look at a contest and they love a talent and they say, I'm going to enter that contest. I love the way that person did that talent. And what they end up doing is doing a lesser version of the same thing. And, you know, one of my, 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 I guess one of the biggest things that that worries me at pageants is when somebody comes in and, and what they're presenting is a bunch of pieces of what has won before from other contestants. So a, a judge can see that. I, I think all you guys agree with me. Oh, yeah. You can see that the minute it happens. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it, it deja vu in the worst way. Yes, it is. <laughs> and, and that's what I, I and I think people fall into that trap. You know, because I, I, I don't know if I said this to you, but, you know, the, the thing that annoys me the most is when someone comes to a contest and says, well, this year the judges are looking for and then they fill uh, in the blank. And the uh, truth is, and I think we can all agree on this, I don't know what I'm looking for until I see it. And mm. I, I, it it's never about having, you know, this year it's going to be a black girl, this year it's going to be a Latina girl, this year it's going to be, yeah. you know, we, we, fight the, we fight the thing about, well, it's time for a tranny again in Continental, you know? Yeah. Even though, you know, there were, uh, there were six boys again in the, in the top 
group this year. Yeah. So, you, you know, I, I think contestants make a mistake when they think that there's been, you know, there's been this mold made and they're going to slide in and fit in into it no matter what, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be what that person was. And, you know, being true to yourself, it's all about being true to yourself and, and coming up with, with a way that follows what the contest has in their guidelines. That's, that's the key to this. You can't be somebody else. Carbon copy. If you happen to slip through the system and do that, it immediately shows. You know, it immediately yeah, yeah, it immediately shows throughout your reign. <laughs> yeah, you, it falls on you know you fall on your face. You know you just do, and I I think that's 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 a big issue, and and we we all were talking about about you know how do we bring it back? You know the the golden age of which makes us all sound ancient, but. It does. You know, it does. There are there are not going to, you know there there aren't going to be uh, there isn't going to be another Eric Andrews you know mm-hmm. it's not going to happen um, here I'll dig one up there's not going to be another Denise Darshell for the people who remember her yeah so there, exactly there aren't going to be those yeah there's not going to, there aren't going to be those people the, the, what we can hope for is what all good art forms do they're organic and they evolve there and you go something. It's spectacular and new, and that's possible if people will just do the homework about what this is. You know, yeah. What what is gay? What is gay pageantry? You know, what is gay pageantry? And we we haven't talked much about men's contests tonight, and I don't know if that's something you want to talk about. You can go ahead, jump into it. Whatever you want to. Well, whatever you want to talk. Yeah, I think I think that's the opportunity for guys right now because I don't think male pageantry has really. Um, defined itself yet. And I think if people will look at the systems and say, you know, this is the criteria and, and I'm going to follow the guidelines and I'm going to come into this, but I'm going to offer something really great, I think that's going to take a better form. Not that it isn't great now, and boy, there's some great winners all across all the male systems. Exactly. I mean, I see it all the time. But I think that's an opportunity, and I think for for the... the impersonators and the drag people, I think it's an opportunity for them to come in and kind of reinvent this because we're all fighting the stereotypes of, of you know, uh, comedy drag and and television drag. And, yes. But, you know, as I said, you know, we, we can do the RuPaul talk tonight and, and, and we'll come to know kind of conclusions whether it's been good or bad for us. But, you know, the one thing I will say, it's not a pageant. Right, you know, that's, that's, and see, there's such a difference. And, and, you know, RuPaul has been a friend of mine for many years, and we've agreed to disagree on a bunch of stuff over the years. But, you know, what we're talking about here is really presenting yourself in the best female form that that your body and your talent allows and mm-hmm. hoping that that fits categories for the pageant system you think suits you best. Love that. Love it. Love it. Now and, and you gave you gave tons of advice uh right now, Skip, and, and I want to um lend it over to um the other uh hand it over to the other men on the panel really quickly. Um uh, as a judge, you know, what piece of advice can you render to the current entertainers and the ones just getting their feet wet? So I'll start with Ken, we'll go to Kirk, and then we'll go to Rick. So Ken, Kirk, Rick. Well, I want to follow up on the question that you asked. Um, oh, go ahead. Go right ahead. Doing your, 
Yeah, and, and it's going to all tie in. Um, I do think it's very important that you do your homework uh, and uh, if you're going to compete in a pageant and do your research. Um, today I got a call from a contestant that's interested in competing for Black America this year, and this is going to be her first time. And I thought it was um, appropriate and amazing because I took the time out to say, well, she thinks enough of the system to do her research. Uh, she has never competed in sportswear before. She wants to know what the category calls for. And mm-hmm. so – I, it was my responsibility as a head judge to explain it to her. This is a contestant that's coming from the Midwest and doesn't understand. So my uh, advice to contestants, yes, do your research. Don't pay your entry fee. Don't sign up for something if you don't know what you're signing up for. If you come to me as a judge and I ask you an interview, what can you tell me? about this system, and you say, well, I really don't know much about the system, then that tells me that you're not the person for the job because you don't know how to prepare. I think in order to be successful at anything you do, you have to properly prepare. And by properly preparing, that's doing your research on the system, the history of the system, and the categories that it, that it calls for. And in your research, where some of the contestants may go wrong, in your research you may determine this may not be the system for you mm-hmm. because they may want a transgender. They may want a a, a boy queen. They may, call, you know, it, they may be looking for something very specific. So to, to the contestants, don't just jump in a contest just because a contest is happening. Take the time out to research the pageant and the category, and then that way it will give you the opportunity to properly prepare for the pageant. Okay, thank you, Kay. I, I want to um, ask you something, Kay, before Kurt um, comes in really quickly, since you said something about interview and it kind of stuck out in my mind. Um, what's what's okay. your opinion as a judge at, at Black America um, for guys to compete as women or female impersonators but come into the interview room as males? <laughs> what, what's your opinion well, on that, as far as a judge from a judging aspect? Well, I I have to be fair. Um, My opinion of it is that you are applying for a job as Miss Black America. However, if this is the way that you feel comfortable and the system is okay with you coming in and presenting yourself as a male, then I'm going to judge you accordingly. Um, Mm -hmm. Me, personally, I look at everything from your attire, from your mannerism, not that I'm expecting you to be overly masculine because you're dressed as a male, but I expect you to come in the interview. If you're coming in an interview with uh, French manicures and you're interviewing as a male, you're going to lose points. If you're not properly groomed as a male... Uh, and you're interviewing as a man, you just, you got, you know, stubble in your face, hair slicked back, but you're not properly groomed. So you're going to lose those points in the category. I I think that the system has okayed it and approved it for the contestants to present themselves as a male as they feel comfortable, and I just go according to uh, the standards uh, of an, the attire of a male, but I, I still expect you to be able to carry the crown, and make your appearances as Miss Black America as well. Thank you so very much, Ken. Appreciate that. I hope that helps someone out there. Kirk, you can go ahead and um, speak as, as far as what piece of advice can you render to a current entertainer or the ones, you know, getting their feet wet. Um, 
So the advice that I can give, or what? Yes. What, no. What? What? Whatever. What advice as a judge are, would you give to any current entertainer or any upcoming entertainer? Just any advice when it comes down to competitions, entertaining, you know, the industry. Well, as far as the upcoming um, entertainers, I think they need to uh, be more open-minded to receiving constructive criticism. The young generations today seems uh, when you're talking to them or giving them advice, they always think that you're trying to read them or you being or you being negative. Well, if I'm saying something negative, it's constructive criticism. I'm not reading you, but I'm just, you know, giving you advice. And they seem to want to take it as you read me. So then they close close ears and so then they don't hear what you what you're saying. So it's kinda of hard to um uh give advice to some of the new entertainers that's um uh coming up. Now as far as the season, as as far as the um seasons season entertainers, I think that they should take uh be more patient with the uh contradicting what I'm saying. I think the seasoned entertainers need to be a little more patient with the newcomers and talk to them not like they're their parents, but like they're they like they're their equal, like they're entertainers. And I think sometimes seasoned entertainers forget that they were newcomers at one time. Okay. And and then so you have to come across that. Well, that was you know that was I think if they take more time and be more honest, like oh you know I used to do this or I used to do that, but you don't have to do this. This is a better way. But sometimes they don't they don't um they don't come across like that all the time. And so I think the newcomers get offended by um season entertainers giving them advice. If I mm-hmm. answered your question. Yes, you did, most definitely. Um so you spoke to you spoke to the upcoming and, and the season, so I, I like that. And Rick Well you got the hot seat. Uh, comment that I'm gonna make is um, you know, I, I get this at my job all the time and it happens I guess once you you get to a certain age. You know, people we say, you know, oh things the golden age, you know, back when I was coming up, it was so much better or what have you. But um, I honestly think we have to stay relevant and we have to realize that this is their golden age now, you know, mm-hmm. because of things that we thought, you know, that they'll never necessarily understand where we are. I think we have to understand where they are now. And I think we constantly talk down to them and say, oh, drag isn't like it used to be, you know, boom, boom, boom. And in mm-hmm. our, you know, because of how we grew up, it isn't. But we have to look at the fact that this is their reality right now. So we can't constantly say, oh, it used to be better or, you know, this was the heyday because this is their heyday. What we have to do is just keep promoting positivity, keep letting them know, you know, hey, you can be anything you want to be. Now, to the advice that I would give anybody is be it a newcomer, or a seasoned person, passion. It goes back to that that a part of that first question you gave me. If you're passionate about something, it doesn't matter how much it costs, how much a contest costs. It doesn't matter, you know, if you if you got to keep knocking on that door. If you're passionate and you want it enough, you're going to keep going. You're going to keep striving for it. So I would tell anybody. What you should do is if you find something that you want with everything that you are, 
keep going. I don't care how many times you get knocked down. Each time you hit the stage, you're going to get better. Uh, to go back to Kurt's um, opinion about too many pageants, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think it's too many pageants. I think there are too many quote-unquote national pageants. Yes. I have a pet. I agree. With the, I agree. Yeah, with the the quote unquote national passes, and I, the advice that I give these kids are: before you sign one of these bogus, and I'm gonna just be real with it, bogus mm-hmm. contract telling you what you can and cannot do, you need to, to first make sure that it's gonna be something that's gonna be beneficial to you. I hate. When a person tells me, well, I couldn't do this because I'm under this contract, well, what are they doing for you during this year? Are, are, are you going to be able to grow as an entertainer or as a person at all because you've won this contest? I think more oftentimes than not, you have people that, that want to have, quote, unquote, national pageants for the wrong reason. They want it so that they can make themselves look big in the community. Right. As opposed to helping out the the contestants or their their kings and queens. So the advice that I would give is be passionate about whatever you want to be and be very leery of all these quote unquote national contests. Thank you so very much. Thank you guys, all of you. Um, it does look, I, you know, Rick, you know that that just opened up a whole other can of worms. But <laughs> thank you so much. But I love, I love that. I, I, we we spoke about it, you know, on, on countless other shows. So. Um, and, and we'll definitely continue to speak about it. Um, but it looks as though, you know, we've just scratched the surface, you know, of getting, you know, that judge's perspective, and, and I love it, and I hope people take it and, and, and run with it. And, you know, each one of these men, you know, I, I know all of you personally at this point. So, you know, guys that are listening out there, girls that are listening out there, you know, if you have questions that, you know, I, I believe I believe that you can reach out to them. Don't bombard them in their inbox, but, you know, definitely reach out to them if you have a question or, you know, need some um, some advice, I definitely, you know, promote these guys um, to the utmost because they're going to give you their, the, the unadulterated truth, you know, but they're going to give you exactly what you need in order to, to become a better entertainer. Um, so, so people out there, do your homework. You know, we, we talked about that. Do your research. And, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to a judge, trust enough in the system and the selected panel of judges, you know, that they're going to judge you accordingly to the package that you present on that night. So, guys, what I want you to do is hold the line for me. Listeners, please stay on the line because I want you to listen to the, um, to the closing and to, um, to, to our remaining sponsors. So, guys, just hold the line for me. Hey, everybody. Blowing in from the Windy City of Chicago, Illinois, it's Cheyenne Valentino, and you are listening to The Talk with Micah and Friends. In America, no one needs to die of AIDS, yet still too many of our brothers are dying because of stigma and fear. We need to speak up with our partners, our families, and our friends about how HIV and AIDS it's a real issue in our community. I'm Jesse Smollett. I'm Blake Youngfountain. I'm Anthony Burrell. We, we are, are Greater Than A's. Join the movement at greaterthan.org. Well, guys, that's actually it for tonight's show, titled You Be the Judge. 
I have to thank my judges who were fortunate enough to grace me with their presence on tonight. I truly appreciate it. I really actually hope that all of them collectively were able to shed a little light on proper judging techniques. They allowed you to get into the brains of those that have judged you at one point in time in your career. And you were able to tap into their candid thoughts, into the rise and the fall of pageantry as they saw it. Now, as you know, I always end each week with a quote of the week. Never dress down or dumb yourself down just to get others' approval. Remember, when you have standards, you intimidate those who don't. I'll say it one more time. Never dress down or dumb yourself down just to get others' approval. Remember, when you have standards, you intimidate those who don't. Until next time, everyone be blessed.